Hello, Kubernetes community. Welcome back to another PodCTL podcast. Tyler, uh, good to be back. We were off last week, but uh, good to be back with you. How are you today? Doing, doing well, doing well. It's uh, yeah, the summer's starting to wrap up already. Seems, uh, seems like it just started, but uh, you know that means usually the the busy, hectic fall that usually takes place in uh, the technology world is coming up soon. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, you know, as much as as much as you and I uh, really love uh, when technology things celebrate birthdays, um, it is actually our sort of first birthday for for Pod TTL. So we made it through a year. Uh, we're still doing this thing. That's kind of cool. Yeah, so I I shouldn't have ordered us both cakes that are coming today. That, <laughs> we're not doing that. Yeah, one of us is going to pop out of a cake. That'll be fun. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks to everybody who listens to the show. And uh, I think uh, I think the last time I looked, we were up around um, I don't know seven or eight thousand sort of weekly listeners. So thanks everybody for listening and telling a friend and, and all those sort of things. So uh, it's been fun. Um, you know, we're trying to keep it educational and keep the topics variety and stuff so uh any feedback people have you know send it along to us um you know podctl at gmail um you can hit us up on twitter um you know at podctl if you got any ideas for guests or for show topics um you know we're always welcome to uh to new ideas and then if you want to rate the show on itunes or google play or however you listen to it uh, that's always welcomed as well so um one little bit of news um i saw this morning that uh, twistlock took in uh, a new round, like $33 million of funding. So good to see that the, the VCs think that uh, containers is a good space. Security is obviously always a, an important space. So congrats to Twistlock on that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, um, you know, it's it's funny to watch sort of the the lead of funding on some uh, technologies as, as things mature. So, you know, definitely it, it's sad that, con- that security is, um, you know, more in the later line, whether it's, you know, containers or was VMs or whatever the company's doing security. It wasn't the, the first ones on the list getting big funding, but uh, it's good to see that because I think that's from talking to enterprises deploying containers, it's it's one of their, their top kind of priorities from, uh, you know, hey, when we do this, how are we, you know, how are we securing our images? How are we doing this stuff? So I think it's, it's really good to see. Yeah. So, um, I thought today we would talk about uh, about registries. Um, you know, th- there's a there's a podcast I listen to pretty frequently, and one of the hosts on that show they they talk about Kubernetes a decent amount, and one of the hosts on the show always you know has this thing where he goes like, "Why is registry such a big deal with Kubernetes? Those Kubernetes people are always talking about registry. Like, shouldn't it just be a a thing that's included with it?" And so I thought, you know, let's do a show on registries because. Um, yes, it is a thing that should be included in, in every Kubernetes deployment, but uh, it's it's got some really solid basics that people should understand, and then there's a whole lot of nuances in terms of design that people should understand as well. So I thought maybe we would uh, cover some basics of of uh, what a container registry does, what it should do, and and maybe answer the uh, the eternal question of you know is it just a glorified FTP server? <laughs> yeah, I think I think the key component of it is. You need some registry. It doesn't have to be deployed w- technically with your Kubernetes. So, like, let's say you did, uh, you know, Minikube locally. Uh, your manifest could point to, you know, one of the Google public uh, container registries or Docker or Quay.io or something like that, some public registry, and pull down images that way. Uh, so you don't. But for most like real actual production deployments in enterprises, you have your own registry too. Right. So it's I think it's a pretty pretty important topic to cover. Yeah, and I think it's one of those. I actually use it as a as kind of a starting point sometimes when I talk about what's included with Kubernetes and what's not included with Kubernetes. And I think a lot of people are sort of surprised that, um, you know, the fact that Kubernetes interacts with a registry all the time, but yet registry is not kind of a core part of, of Kubernetes. So 
You know, it's one yeah, of those yeah. things where you can sort of like, hey, this this is part of Kubernetes. This is not. This is not. This is not. So. Yeah, and I think it's funny that yeah, as a glorified FTP server, there was a, a a tweet I remember seeing. I want to say it was early this year, late last year, where someone's like, "Oh, these container images. It's like just why don't we just uh, tar up, you know, our our binaries and and FTP them around? Like, well, that's that's basically what we're doing. That's right. what do you think a container image is is a is a tarball of uh, of your of a file system that is your container image. Right, right. I think uh, I think Derek Collison always used to say that like, uh, containers are just the new tarball image format. So, um, so let's talk about some of the basics. So, um, container registry, obviously, it it um, you know it keeps keeps track of your container images. It serves them out. Um, it typically is going to have some sort of uh, you know database that you may never interact with, but there's sort of a little database in there somewhere. Um, there's obviously going to be some amount of storage on the back end of that. Um, let's talk about just sort of those those basic things that, that it has to do. Maybe most importantly, kind of about, you know, what do you think about from a storage perspective? Yeah, so so the the container images themselves, um, if you've ever kind of poked around in one, um, a good way to do that, if you haven't played with the Builder project, you can use that to kind of open up a container image and kind of poke around. It's basically a file system and a JSON file with metadata in it, right? That's all it is. And then it's basically tarballed up and, and put into a registry. So uh, registry is a collection of tarballs of these various container images uh, with metadata about them. And some of that metadata um, is, hey, what is this? Uh, and some of it's also when it comes into layers. So container images, uh, you know, one of sort of the advances there over just a straight tarball is if I change one bit for tarball, I'm sending you the whole thing. The new, you know, the new version when I repack it up uh, with container images, I could do it in layers. Uh, each layer is basically sort of like a, a separate file system layer uh, in the image. So if I only update one layer of my image, I, I only have to pull that one down. So so the the basics are it's storing all those images and has um, you know, and has the metadata about those different layers and, and what's in those images. Um, and also the you know, image sizes, you know, depending on what, what type of images you're building, you know, the idea is to make them as small as possible. Sometimes, and even seeing some of the Windows container images, they could be in the gigs. Uh, so you definitely need some storage there that you can, uh, you know, uh, have to, to backend all the, of your registry to fit these images. Right, right. And, and typically your registry is going to have, um, you know, again, you, you, you may just use one registry system. You may end up having um, a registry per part of your sort of application lifecycle. So we've seen designs where you know companies are using you know a registry with their environment that's for for dev and test, and then another one for like I don't know staging and prod and and so forth. And, and some people might say like, well, why in the world would you do that? Well, in some cases, um, you know you you do it for. Uh, security reasons. Other times we've seen it just for like departmental reasons. Um, you know, who's going to run it or which images they use, what standard that they, they use in terms of a, you know, a specific uh, framework or language or library runtime that they use. So, you know, there are a whole bunch of different designs that people will have in terms of, you know, do I use one central registry? Do I uh, break it out by department? Um, there's, a, there's, there's a bunch of guidelines that people can follow. It really depends on what your organization's trying to do. Maybe your, your registries start to look like, like Conway's law. Um, but the, the, the other thing that you see a lot is if you were to dig into people's registries, typically you will see things like, like, let's say here is a, uh, you know, container file, uh, or, you know, basically something that's going to be an application. You may see sort of all of the versioning that people will have in there. So something might be, you know, whatever, you know, my app essentially latest, and then you may have, you know, version four, version seven, version whatever. And people have the ability to to store a bunch of those different versions there. They may be able to pull different versions. Um, you know, so it's not sort of just 
kind of the official word of what you have, but but you have the ability to to keep a lot of different things in there. Yeah, that's that's really big in in dev and, and then QA, and that's actually something that sort of. Um, you know, the, even since the, the Docker days, images always had the, the tagging system where you tag it, you can tag it with version numbers or, you know, then tag latest, um, is something that it was designed for that. And, and really the, the right way to deploy images in, in Kubernetes or, or any container system is to be, you know, very prescriptive because as we said, Kubernetes is a declarative system. So you, your, your manifest says, this is what it should look like. And then Kubernetes says, do I look like what this manifest says? No, let me change until I look like that. Uh, so you see sometimes where people try and do like, well, I'm going to deploy this manifest and I'm using the image tag latest. It's like, cool, I updated. So now how do I tell Kubernetes to update? It's like, well, no, it's it's running latest. It doesn't know the image change. So that's where you see that, you know, kind of if you go through the kube docs, you'll see best practices are, hey, I'm running Nginx, you know, 1.9.3. Um, you know, image tag. Well, then I can just tell Kube to update the deployment with 1.9.4, and then now it's going to update all the pods with the new version. So, th- so that's where the tagging. You know, and you may have multiple versions of the same thing really come in, come in handy, especially in production. You want to know literally what exactly do I have? Latest doesn't tell you anything, but you know, a specific version, whether it's your internal image versioning numbers or an external ISVs versioning numbers, are are, are pretty important. Right, right. Yeah, I think the other thing that, that sometimes is a misperception about registries is people assume that um, they'll they'll kind of do this thing where they go, well, um, you know, a, a container image essentially is going to be my application. Um, that's where I do maybe like vulnerability scanning. So vulnerability scanning must be built in. And we also like to do things like image signing so that we you know can validate who, you know, who provided it or this is a valid image. And people sort of assume that... Um, you know, like every registry just includes all those things. And I think that's sort of a misperception. By default, um, you know, container registry just sort of stores and serves. And those other functions are great add-ons, but they're not necessarily there kind of by default. So you kind of have to be aware of, um, you know, does the, the registry that we're interacting with provide those services? How can we interact with them? But they're not necessarily there by default. Yeah, the original sort of image registry spec from from the Docker days still still exists, and, and that's sort of the starting point for these registries. But yeah, the, the image spec is is I mean the the registry spec is basically that can I push and pull images, um, you know, tag them, things like that, and that's really it. But yeah, the the industry has spread way for you know there's like the Claire project for image scanning um, that's used in in Quay as well as uh, Harbor in the CNCF. Um, you're starting to see other things, you know, things like TwistLock that can integrate to do scanning. Uh, container image signing is uh, is really taking off to, you know, like I said, to to ensure the bits. But that's those are all sort of the uh, the after you know, the the add on features. That's the nav system and the uh, you know the advanced backup camera and and all those other. That's the autopilot in your Tesla. That's not that doesn't come with the stock model. Right, aftermarket features you can add on to your uh, registry. So yeah, cool. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about what's what's kind of the typical interaction that that Kubernetes has with a container registry, and then maybe a little bit of you know other elements that are around Kubernetes that that might interact with the registry and so forth. So like, you know, you want to go deploy a container, let's walk through a little bit of like, when does Kubernetes ever interact with the registry? Yeah, the the main place Kubernetes interacts with the registry is sort of like two pieces to it. One is the, the, the actual, you know, container image, whether that's, you know, uh, container runtime, whether that's cryo or, you know, or, or, 
Docker container D or whatever, pulling the image down to run and caching it locally to run it, it has to talk to the registry. So your deployment specifies, you know, you don't just say, you know, run image ABC. It's, you know, quay.io slash, you know, image ABC colon version this or, um, you know, or in the IP address or, or DNS name of your internal registry, whatever the case may be. Uh, the other piece is um, you have a thing, especially if it's a secured or private registry, you have your image pull secrets. So, um, so that way Kubernetes knows, hey, when I talk to this registry, I need to I need to give it credentials to be able to access this. So so that's stored in there also. But that's the main focus around Kubernetes is it's really just pull and run uh, from from that perspective. Right. Um, the question I get a lot from people is they'll say, okay, <clears throat> I understand that. You know, I did a deployment. It said to pull this. It, it deployed. Now, what about when something happens? So either um, that container failed, like the host that was running that container failed, or for whatever reason, <clears throat> that container failed, or for example, like, uh, you know, something um, kicked off a reason to scale up that container. So I went from like one container to five containers, right? It's like a web front end or something. What's the interaction then between Kubernetes and the registry? Does, does Kubernetes like cache that, um, you know, that container like in etcd or something or does it go talk to the registry and pull it back down like how do i how does that interaction typically happen so so the caching is local to the node uh where the pods are running so if you said like hey i have two pods running on one node and i want to scale up to five pods um it already has those images cached locally so so it's ready to go uh same thing you know if 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 let's say you had 10 nodes and two of them failed and it has to restart pods on other nodes, if those other nodes have any copies of those pods already, they, you know, they already have it cached locally. If not, they go out to the registry. So from a, uh, you know, if your registry goes down, it, will your app stop running? No. But if you, if your nodes need to pull another copy of that app, uh, you, you're going to need your registry available. Right. And we saw that when mm-hmm. um, the Docker Hub had some outages a couple of years ago, and and people were just pulling straight from well, well, I'm using the you know I'm using the official Nginx image or whatever, and they do to do a pull, and it wouldn't work because the Docker Hub was having trouble, and you're like, oh, oh crap, like yes, I can't, I, my app doesn't crash if the hub goes away, but I can't you know start up new instances of it without it. Right, right. Now, what about <clears throat> excuse me, uh, what about the interaction between? like the registry and something else. So for example, if my CI pipeline, um, ultimately, you know, I push code into it and, and somewhere, you know, the artifact it creates is essentially a container. Um, is that then interacting with the registry? Like, will it push that artifact into the registry? Is that, you know, do we see those types of interactions happening? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the, uh, you use it, I would think the perfect term for it. You know, we're used to when it comes to doing, whether it's Java or, or any like compiled language, um, is you know when in, or go or something like that when it's done you have a you you end up with a binary and that we generally call that an artifact of like the a build artifact that we're we're going to use when we deploy and that's basically what container images too it's it's of the end of the the pipeline build you end up with a container image and you know and and basically a container registry is a, is an artifact repository so um, generally speaking. Yes, at each state, you know, whether you're doing it in dev or, or what have you, when you're going through the process, usually the outcome is your, you know, say Jenkins or whatever runs a build and then pushes it into, you know, a, into your registry. And then it may need to do extra stuff if there's like, say, signing involved, where if it signed it, um, it may need to also update some of the, if you've changed any of your, your your keys that you use to sign it, you know, updating that on the Kubernetes side. But for the most part, yeah, it's that's how it's getting in there. Um, and then 
the question is how do we you know how do we update that now this is where where things kind of differ a little um some you know with pure kubernetes deployments um you that's where the versioning comes in uh with deployment configs and things like openshift you can you can trigger you can say hey if this image updates automatically uh update so that's you know that's kind of openshift specific but in general um that's how you would get it in there is by updating the you know your your ci pipeline would run and let's say it's off of a git hook so i make a new commit it kicks off jenkins it does it up you know runs all the tests everything's good and it completes at the end it completes a build and then pushes it into the registry and, and tags that with the latest version number Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so let, let's go back. Let's jump back. Let's talk a little bit about um, scanning and, and signing and so forth. Where, so we, you know, we talked about those are, those are sort of, you know, add on capabilities that, that could come in uh, a registry that typically you might buy from, from one of the vendors. It could be, uh, could be Quay. It could be, um, you know, Artifactory. It could be lots of different things. Um, what are what are some of the sort of the general things that people have to be aware of in terms of in terms of scanning and signing? Is I mean, you, you mentioned like Claire as being kind of a signing, um, uh, yeah, as a signing uh, or scanning. I'm sorry, scanning uh, kind of project or standard that's coming along. What are some of the considerations people need to have, or where should those things happen? Should they happen in the registry? Should they happen in the CI pipeline? Does it matter? Um, I don't think it matters as much as long as it's in your in your workflow. So I think the easiest places in the registry for two reasons. One, if I'm you know if I'm writing an app and um, you know let's say I'm using you know Node.js or whatever and I'm working on it and whatever you know something I npm installed into the app. Well, guess what? We just found out that 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 piece has a has a vulnerability. So when I'm running the build, so I hit commit. When the bill runs, it goes, oh, this version, this has a problem and flags it and says, hey, we're stopping the pipeline because you need to use the new version or apply this fix or whatever because it's, it has a vulnerability. Um, that's good and that's important. And that's why, you know, traditionally a lot of this code stuff is looked at during the pipeline where it fits well with the registry is um, let's say I pushed that yesterday and then the vulnerability was published today. Well, the, if I until I run the next, you know, update that app to, you know, scan it, then I wouldn't know. So by having the registry, the registry can do scheduled scans, say, hey, every time we get a CVE update of all the vulnerabilities, scan all of our existing um, of our existing container images as well and see what our vulnerabilities are. And you see this when, you know, some new vulnerability pops out. That's usually the, the first question that, you know, management has is what's, you know, what's our exposure? How, you know, how many you know, OSs or container images are we running that have this problem? And then that way, the next phase is how do we how do we remedy that? Right, right. And, you know, with with more and more vulnerabilities happening, I think, you know, we just saw one, uh, you know, big uh, kernel vulnerability the other day. Um, yeah, having the ability to, to both deal with things at, at the host OS level, but also at the container level, since again, you know, most of containers are, are Linux, it's a kind of an important thing to be able to to be flexible in, in when you do it and where you do it. So definitely something for, for people to keep an eye on. And again, like you said, um, there may be times when it makes sense to to do it in the CI pipeline. Um, it may also make sense to to additionally do it, you know, in the registry. And we talked a little bit about that. Like you may have, you know, just one centralized system, um, but I think more and more in reality, we see, you know, groups that own their own CI pipeline. Uh, you know, sometimes you have groups that own their own registries and so forth, and, and you may not necessarily always be coordinating between them in the in the build process or the dev and test process. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to have some coordination uh, when things get into production. And, and ultimately, you're talking about, you know, customer data, credit card data, something that's, um, you know, going to be impactful to your business. 
Yeah, and I think that's actually where, you know, kind of when you hit that that sort of container registry or container image sprawl is where signing really comes into. I mean, I think people think of it in the most basic terms of, hey, we we built an image, it went through test, and now we're pushing it to prod. We want to be guaranteed this is, you know, the image that's running on all these kube nodes is, you know, we've signed, digitally signed it. So it hasn't been, you know, a registry attack where someone swapped out your image for uh, one with a vulnerability in it. So that way they can use it to compromise your system, something like that. Like that's definitely a a, a really important piece of it. But uh, some of these, you know, scanning and vulnerability um, situations make sense too, is if I'm not signing my images, um, how do I know that it's the same image? Right. You know, so it's like, hey, we scanned all of our images on our centralized rep- our centralized container registry. You know, we have f- you know four thousand different images there. We've scanned them all. We found these five percent that need to be patched, and we patched them. Uh, now we have these container registries running everywhere else, or running actual you know live container nodes. How do we just because they have the same name? You know, how do we know they're the same? Or you know, if there's a hash collision or something else like that, by the signing also says this is the known good image. And because of the signing, as long as you're running the signed version, then we know you're running the good image. Right, right. Yeah, and I, I think we'll see, like you said, more and more we get into scenarios and designs. We'll talk about this maybe in the next topic, um, you know, where you have distributed registries and, you know, people running some in their own data center, some in the public cloud. Um, you know, we've got, you know, tons and tons of organizations that are, you know, siloed themselves or, you know, have to be separated for various reasons. So, um, you know, definitely, definitely both of those areas are something to, to keep in mind and definitely kind of mentally walk through the scenarios where, um, you know, you, you, you kind of think about the path of like code, it went through a CI process, it went into the registry, how do we check it? How do we update it? And all those types of things. Yeah, I think the key from a design perspective, too, is um, the easier, you know, this is one, there's always that trade off, right? Usability versus security. And we've seen some some really bad examples of that. And even, you know, been worked for companies have been users of that where, hey, we, we've super secured this. So we've basically made it unusable to you as a user. So it's like, right. good thing it's secure because no one's going to log into it. <laughs> right, um, right. So I think, you know, this fits in those like, how do you make this secure at the same time, making it really usable? And I think this is where things like scanning and signing being very well integrated, where it's very clear, where it's like, hey, I pushed this image, you found this problem, I clicked on the link, you told me exactly what I need to fix to fix it, you know, very, which is part of the normal process when it's this one off, like, hey, we're going to schedule a weekly scan of our images or something. uh, I feel like that's where it's more burdensome and gets left behind versus like security is hygiene, it should just be part of our kind of procedures and pipeline. And, And I think, integrating these things into the tooling makes it much easier to the point where say if you're a developer or something, you may not even really think about it because it's just happening. Right. Right. Um, so let's hit on one last topic um, before we, we go too, too long in the show. And I want to talk a little bit about design. So if you are enterprise architect or you're sort of responsible from a security perspective, like what are some of the core design principles? Maybe we start with, with a couple of basic things like does location of your registry matter, like physical location or, or you know, proximate location? Just, should we start with that? Um, I think it does. From this, from the standpoint, it doesn't. Is like we said, you're just you're you're pulling down a tarball over the internet, so you know it's not really that you know performance impactful from that perspective. Uh, but what it comes down to, I think you still need if you're say an enterprise and you're say, hey, we're going to do a distributed Kubernetes environment. We have, you know we have three data centers. We're going to have you know kube clusters in each of them for production. We're going to spread our applications across them, but we're going to do a centralized repo. 
like, well, if your one data center, if your repo's down or when your data center has problems with their kube deploy, um, now I can't pull images and start to get that app going again. So I, I, I feel like if, you, if you're doing a decent enough sized cluster, you're going to want some, even if it's just sort of a clone or, you know, registry, it's a replica of a centralized registry, but just that way you have a local cache off of just the individual nodes for those for those images. Right, right. Well, and I, and I think the other piece of it is, like you said, um, there are plenty of examples where somebody says, "Hey, I built a new cloud native app, and I'm running Node, and it, you know the image size is small." You know, we also see just as many, if not more, customers who are like, "Yeah, I took this Java app and I put it in a container, you know, for various reasons, and that thing is." You know, that jar file is multiple gigs. Uh, you know, you start trying to pull multiple gigs over the Internet. Sometimes, um, you know, response time may not be what you want. Your, you know, scale up time may not be what you want. So um, I, I think we see more and more the idea that that locality does matter. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, in the same rack as where your Kubernetes cluster is running. But in most cases, having it be, you know, on the same, you know, LAN sort of bandwidth uh, as opposed to pulling it over the internet oftentimes is, uh, it turns out to be pretty valuable for customers. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's less of a like, oh, I need, X, you know, two milliseconds latency. It's more of just, I need to be able to pull this even if you were having network problems. Yep, yep. Um, let's talk about a little bit about sort of redundancy and, and so redundancy and replication. Um, typically what I've seen, the, the back end for registries um, in some cases, people will use NFS more and more. I'm seeing them using like object storage, some sort of like S3 compliant object storage. Um, and the reason for that is just we want to be able to create, uh, you know, storage, you know, something that's easy to storage, replicate uh, between registries. And that could be, you know, like you said, between locations. It could just be for high availability in one location. Um, any Anything you've seen, tips and tricks as far as like storage backends or replication and so forth? Um, I think the key is is having it, uh, something that integrates well with the registry. So like I said, the, you know, like, cool, I have an S3 bucket with a bunch of tarballs that are my container images uh, in another location. But if there's, if you know, the registry that you're going to front end it with so that way Kube can talk to it, doesn't know what you have there, it's it's not as useful. Uh, so so I think the key is making sure whatever your front end and your, your front end of your registry is aware of the replicated back end or somehow facilitates it, I think is is key. It's just one less thing for you to for you to deal with. And I think there's two different types of replication, which is a little nuanced, but I think is important is there's the, hey, I have it for localization or availability. So I have my main registry. I have two of them in two different data centers for you know high availability or I have one main one, and then it pushes clones basically to all these data centers where Kube's running, so that way we have a local copy. Uh, the other one is actually between environments, which is a common sort of uh, blueprint, which is, hey, we have, a, you know, dev has a registry, QA has a registry, prod has a registry, and the way we sort of, our pipeline, each one has its own pipeline, so dev, I do commits, it runs tests and, and updates the image. Uh, once we're ready to move that image to the next phase, is they do it by copying between registries. So basically say, take this, you know, version 1.3.8 of this app. We think it's ready for dev. Make a copy of it, replicate it to the QA registry. And once that environment sees it, it updates that version, runs all your tests and stuff like that. So that's a nut. And then the same thing to production, um, where a piece of it is sort of that nice workflow. But also I've seen it done because avoiding the, hey, I, I, if I'm sharing one registry and I put the wrong container image, I forgot to change it from the dev container image name to the prod image name, and I end up pushing a dev container to prod and, and stuff like that. We see that where it's like, hey, this container only serves prod, prod only talks to this 
container registry and it only serves prod images and, and so forth. Right. So moving your images between those is another form of, you know, sort of replication. Right, right. <clears throat> the other thing I see quite a bit is, is people tend to sort of underscope sometimes the performance needed for a registry. Um, and I think they, maybe when they're getting started, they're just playing around with some stuff. They're like, hey, I, you know, I had a container, I pulled it into my environment. Um, we've seen some environments that are, you know, multi tens of gigabits per second, uh, the registry is having to serve. So, um, uh, you know, I don't want to give people sort of, you know, over the podcast sort of guidance on how to scope it. I, I will just say that we do see a number of people that sort of underscope um, the amount of bandwidth that they should, you know, sort of bandwidth or throughput that they should expect uh, from a reg. Especially if, if it's something that's going to be more of a centralized registry for a lot of groups or, you know, you're seeing large image sizes end up in there. Yeah, the, the the other case where I see this is where it happens very frequently is, yeah, we start our, our Kube environment, we start with five nodes, whatever, we had a registry, and, you know, we pull images and it works fine, the image starts growing to, you know, tens to dozens to hundreds of nodes, and the registry is fine, because every time they're adding a node, you know, it's pulling an image or two of the pod, it's fine, but then they'll hit either, you know, it's like one of these vulnerabilities, like, oh, we need to, we need to, you know, roll all these pods to the new version or something like that. And they have just every node hitting, you know, they, this is the first time since they've scaled up to a hundred nodes that they've had every node trying to pull a whole bunch of images all at the same time. And the registry falls over. Right. Right. Yeah. And as we mentioned earlier in the show, um, you know, you don't want your registry to fall over if, uh, over time you, you want your applications to continue running and, <laughs> and be able to do updates and so forth. So, um, I think the last thing I see a little bit, and, and again, this, this is sort of the, um, I don't want to call it aftermarket of the registry, but we do see more and more companies ask, you know, is the registry, you know, multi-tenant, multi-group? Like, can I, you know, can I kind of segment um, the registry in a way that, like, I can provide different owners, different security permissions and so forth? So something something that you may want to just sort of have as as a checkbox as you're looking at registries. I know, like, Quayio does this, yeah, you know, as, a, as an enterprise registry and so forth, and some others probably do as well. But, you know, definitely something that you don't necessarily probably want just one giant sort of namespace, if you will, for the registry, but, you know, the ability to do groups and have, um, you know, kind of quote unquote multi-tenancy is, is probably something that's uh, very, very valuable, especially if you're, if your security teams are looking at this as a, as a, a point of, you know, vulnerability. Yeah. I think a very common one, especially as you quite is like sort of, Hey, let's, let's replicate our GitHub sort of permissions. So it's like the groups that can access, you know, have right access to these repos also have right access to this, you know, this registry, um, you know, section and stuff like that and teams that match up and, and, and things like that. But yeah, that's, that's sort of, you know, the, once you get past the, I just need a thing that stores images that I can push and pull to, um, and start looking for some of these other features. You start to think about all these pieces and multi-tenancy and groups and teams are, are a big one. Yep. Well, listen, um, I think we've covered a lot of stuff. Um, obviously, you know, if, if you decide to select a specific registry, definitely dig into the docs of, of what it specifically does. But hopefully that gives folks some explanation, some understanding of, you know, kind of the basic things that registries do, where you can add things on for, you know, added security, added performance, added uh, uh, isolation and so forth. But but also gives you a sense of like from a design perspective, you know, what are the things I should consider above and beyond thinking about it as a as a big FTP server. So, um, you know, folks with that, uh, thank, as we mentioned early in the show, thanks again for listening for the last year. Uh, Tyler, it's been fun for us doing this. We're looking forward to year two. Uh, feedback is always welcome. But uh, folks, thanks for listening this week as always, and we will talk to you next week.